Welcome to the OnFit Podcast. Hello and welcome to the OnFit Podcast. My name is Lewis McClellan. I'm the editor of the Digital Monetary Institute here at OnFit, and I'm joined by Dave Sissons, Chief Executive Officer of RTGS Global. And we'll be discussing cross-border payments and how RTGS Global fits into that. Uh, it's a very exciting, dynamic area, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting changes going on in this area. So Dave, uh, can you talk a little bit about yourself and, and RTGS Global, please? Sure. Um, pleasure to be here. Thank you for the opportunity, Lewis. Um, my, my background has, has really been in financial market infrastructures my, my entire career. Um, in, in fact, I worked for an FMI prior to them being classified as an FMI. It's been, it's been that long. Um, mo- most of my career, uh, some 23 years of it, was uh, building and developing um, CLS services, so working in many different roles across the organisation from technology, delivery, uh, governance and, and then more latterly operations and strategy. Um, then I've spent some time in my career as well working on optimizing payment systems and, and looking at liquidity optimization through simulation of, of domestic and international payment systems. And I, I've now been with RTGS Global since May 2021. So 15, 16 months now. Um, I wasn't the, uh, the the first one through the door, so to speak. RTGS Global's been around for three years now. We've been working with um, Microsoft on the development of our technology, and we, we were really born out, out of the idea from our founder, Nick Ogden, um, who, who previously founded WorldPay and ClearBank. Nick then went on to, to, to found RTGS Global. And our uh, mandate, our vision is, is very much to remove friction in cross-border settlements and to, to remove the opaqueness of liquidity such that everyone can see where, where liquidity is stored and enable them to transact cross-border safely and rapidly um, in an efficient manner. So for the last three years, we've been building our technology for the last 12 months, however, we've been starting to build the financial market infrastructure around that technology. And as we approach our launch, which will be later this year, early next year, we, we will have both the people, the processes, the tools, and of course, the technology ready to go. Fantastic. Yeah, very exciting time. Um, you used that word friction in cross-border payments, and that's that's a, a term we see a lot. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people trying to reduce those frictions. We saw a paper from the ECB recently uh, on the holy grail of cross-border payments, and uh, for that, for them, that means uh, cheap, instant, uh, universal, or extremely broad access, uh, and they see that as something we can achieve in the next ten years. Uh, how do you feel like RTGS Global fits into that? Couldn't agree more with the, the paper. It, it, it was um, it was well landed when it, when we read it too. Um, we we really think that the ECB have got got a, a forward focused uh, agenda and and they really want to align themselves with the the G20 and the BIS and the FSB sort of roadmap for change. Um, we we probably don't share the view that it, it, it's ten years away. However, we we can see that that prize is is within the next few years. We are certainly one of one of many schemes that will be looking at solving that challenge rapidly. And as I mentioned, we, we, we're, we're looking at launching later this year, early next year. And and I think that that frictionless, more efficient environment uh, for cross-border settlement is is well within our reach. And and probably that 10 could could read five years. Excellent. Well, it's encouraging to hear. Um, you mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of different schemes. There's quite a few different approaches to, to improving these. Uh, are these 
you know, some of these are complementary, obviously, but then others are are sort of whole bits of new architecture, whole bits of new infrastructure. Uh, do you see, is this kind of a winner-takes-all scenario, or is this going to uh, turn into something where, you know, different different pieces of infrastructure have different functions? That's a good question. And um, I guess if I guess if you look at the purpose of these, these let's call them schemes, we're, we're looking at, at safety, soundness and resilience across across the financial market. And, and in order to do that, you, you, you need to have multiple players, multiple infrastructures, potentially uh, multiple pools of liquidity such that you have that 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 resilience across the market. And, and if that that is the, the main drive, then, of course, that that paves a way really to having multiple suppliers or multiple solutions for, for such an infrastructure. So I, I agree with, with recent papers, um, probably the BIS is, is most recent, where, where they predict a world where there'll be multiple providers. Um, interestingly, that needs to be balanced, however, because there's, there's a cost to all of this. And if the main goal is to try and make cross-border settlements cost efficient, then for a bank to have to connect to multiple schemes in order to achieve that, that that adds to the cost rather than removes the cost and and potentially adds to the friction as well so i do i do see that there's there's probably not a uh, winner takes all end state i i see that there will be a number of, of as i say schemes in the future whereby um you can settle cross border using a, a multitude of different ways i think there will be optionality i don't think there'll be tens of solutions it won't be necessarily like the um the retail fintech industry where there are tens or hundreds of players but i do see that there will be um significant option for for banks to be able to transact cross border so a bit of both i don't think it's a race it's not a, it's not a winner takes all for sure yeah let's talk about that those different you know fewer than 10 perhaps different solutions uh can you talk a little bit about what those what the optionality is there to benefit like what what would i use one type of scheme for versus another sure okay um so i guess it really starts if if, if you look at uh, the um the quality of the liquidity you wish to transact in that that's that's one differentiator so first of all central bank funds versus commercial bank funds now settling in in central bank funds or hqla high quality liquid asset as as we know it is is really the nirvana for for when settling cross border because you know you've got the uh, the utmost guarantee there behind behind that that, that that position so i think some of the schemes we see today some settle in central bank money or intend to and some um, that are already live settling commercial bank money so first up that comes to the to the risk appetite that a bank is willing to transact in i think then then really we need to start looking at how does that cross-currency component take place. Now, there are solutions out there that, that use stable coins or digital assets. So you transit transact in and out of a digital asset, and that enables you to, to um, transfer one currency for another. So that, that's one way of transacting. And banks will generally have uh, an appetite as to, to how they embrace stable coins or digital assets themselves. 
Then you've got other ways in which cross-border can be achieved, which is through the use of perhaps CBDCs. So CBDCs can be born to enable the um, interaction between two other CBDCs. So we've seen some, some trials in recent months where we've had a CBDC actually join two domestic CBDCs together. That could be a scheme. Um, in the future, but but as we know, there, there there aren't many live CBDC deployments around the world, so that's that's probably a bit future state. And um, then then maybe I'll refer to our scheme. We we use fiat currency for ours, so we use central bank funds, and we enable on our ledger the transacting between fiat currency and fiat currency. We we believe that the the um, digital asset in between is not necessary. We we, we see that very much as a an, an added piece of friction that that perhaps isn't necessary to to enable a solution to work. So you've got these different different points. Really, it's around the the the, the quality of the liquidity you wish to transact in, and and therefore that's that's um, measured against the risk. And then and then also appetite around whether it's blockchain or DLT or a digital asset or it's fiat currency. Every bank's got its own agenda and thoughts on that. So I think they're really where mainly you'll find some differentiators between the proposed schemes that are out there. Yeah, really interesting. We're hearing from a lot of central banks about, uh, you know, a lot of interest in in improving the the qualities of cross-border payments. Can you talk us through in a little bit more detail what the problems that they're actually looking to solve are? What are the difficulties in, uh, in FX settlement at the moment? Yeah, indeed. Um, so it's worth reminding ourselves that that we have we have a retail market and a wholesale market. So we've we've seen a lot of advances in the world of retail. Um, that we all enjoy in our personal lives with with our, our gadgets and technologies that that we can transact cross border quite seamlessly. However, behind the retail the, the the retail market is is in fact the large volumes and values that that move behind uh, the scenes in the wholesale or the interbank market, and these really provide the fuel, the liquidity for for the domestic retail and the international retail schemes to to work upon. So. The, 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 the wholesale foundations see terrific risk, um, commonly known as settlement risk. It's the risk of one part of a payment, so maybe an early opening currency being paid before the second half, the, the other leg, the, the, the other side of that transaction being paid in another time zone. So predominantly driven by time zone, but, but also because payments are not necessarily linked with each other or the liquidity is not linked. Um, actually, that causes great risk in the market. And and north of 50% of the world's cross-border transactions have this risk. So one one leg will get paid whilst the counterparty waits in hopes for the other half to be paid later in that day. So the common way of solving that problem is PVP, payment versus payment. So one side of a, a transaction gets paid instantly at the same time as the other side. And that, that re- reduces the risk significantly. Um, we're, we're, we're talking with, with many central banks around the world about this, and we're, we're, we're now finding that actually every central bank we talk to has got a very strong level of appetite to try and solve for PVP. It's on everyone's agenda, um, whether, whether they be banks that are in the, in the middle of intercepting new standards, as, as we're all familiar with, um, or, or RTGS replacements, whatever the big change programs are, we're still finding that every central bank has got cross-border and PVP high on their agenda as a, as a risk that they'd look to mitigate. 
Yeah, it's really interesting the way that, um, as you say, it's come a long way for retail. I guess it's the, the complexity has just been abstracted away from, from retail, but, but the situation, the actual plumbing underlying it hasn't really changed that much. Um, it's the, the, the idea of, you know, time, something as simple as time zones causing this kind of problem. I mean, the implication there is these systems don't run 24 hours a day, which means that they require some manual intervention, uh, you know, people to to supervise, I guess. And yeah, it's just, it's kind of astonishing that uh, such a high volume business still requires human intervention to that degree. You're quite right, Lewis. And um, your point's well made that the, the wholesale rails have not really modernized in recent years. There've been some material improvements. So the advent of Swift, making everything electronic so that messaging could move quicker and Swift have innovated to make that even faster still over over the last 20 years. You then had things like CLS 20 years ago. They came to the market providing terrific risk-reducing services, which they still do um, today with, with their famously robust solution. However, it still requires on average one to two days to move wholesale money internationally you're right. It, 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 we, we don't have payment systems running 24 hours in the high value space. So typically it takes days to, to, to move money. You have pre-funding of correspondent or Nostro accounts. Often that's required to be happening the day before the funding is actually necessary. So that too increases the time at which it takes to move money. So all of this is, is really sort of fueled the growth of the spot market. Foreign exchange traders will trade on a, on a T plus two. So everything will settle in two days time because it takes that long to get the money where you need it. And times are now changing. And we're really seeing that that instantaneous desire to settle more rapidly. Actually, it's not just in the retail world. Now, we're finding through our discussions with banks and central banks that actually there's appetite to see wholesale move in this direction. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but CLS, uh, it's, I mean, it's not all over the world, right? It's, it's, it's very useful for the, for the countries and the currencies that are covered. But if you're outside of that tent, you're, you're not in such a good position. Yeah, quite. C- CLS does a terrific job for the settlement for its, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure how many members, maybe 73, um, in the 18 currencies it offers settlement. Um, certainly from our analysis, we're finding the emerging market economies are growing rapidly, um, as are the size of, of some of the banks out, outside of their reach as well. So that, that 50% that, that of the market that doesn't enjoy PVP, um, really it's, it's some of the, some of the volume that, that, that doesn't go through CLS, yeah. I guess. I want to I want to talk a little bit more about this PVP uh, concept. It's something that people often talk about as a deliverable of uh, you know blockchain-based settlement systems, particularly in you know security settlement world, uh, usually with the tag atomic settlement uh, or something like that. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about this PVP uh, concept. It's something that when I'm talking to uh, blockchain technologists, uh, it's often touted usually as atomic settlement. This this concept of uh, inseparable uh, settlement of both legs of a transaction. Um, can you talk about whether or not that is actually an emergent property of using a blockchain-based settlement system? Yeah, um, blockchain's got many practical uses, both within and outside of financial services. Um, I know a number of blockchain uses in, in the energy sector and, and, and the health industry as well. And um, there's some great pla- practical applications um, at RTGS Global, interestingly, we've decided to not deploy blockchain 
Um, we we do conduct atomic settlements, so we update on our global ledger both sides of the transaction instantaneously. We 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 share that term atomic settlement, um, but we've not used blockchain or distributed ledgers for the reason that 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 actually we found that the volumes that we will need to process at that actually it wasn't it wasn't quick enough technology for our needs. So it it is a great technology. I don't necessarily think its primary um, primary purpose in life is cross border settlement. And and on the other side of that coin, I don't necessarily think that cross border settlement requires blockchain or DLT in order to in order to be achieved. Uh, if you're looking for a PVP solution, that is. So I think I think it's interesting. I think it's a great technology. It's not it's not the only technology in town. We, we've been working, as I say, for three years with Microsoft using their SQL ledger technology. And, and that gets us better performance for what we're trying to achieve, which we also class as atomic. Um, so, yeah, it, it's yeah, no, an interesting technology. Yeah, I think a lot of people are finding those those similar issues with scalability. You know, unless you really need the sort of distributed consensus model, then it is, can probably do the same thing faster without without it. Um on the topic of the the PVP issue, though, um, something that is, people occasionally point out to us in this space is that uh, a lot of financial markets operate on a basis of netting. You know, not everything is settled instantly, and that's uh, and that's by design. You know, the liquidity isn't there to be settled instantly, and uh, you know, you do it back and forth, and and then at the end of the day, you can you can work out what's actually owed. Can you talk about how that fits into uh, to your PVP offering? Yeah, as we know, PVP, that, that's a given. PVP definitely reduces the risk. However, we also know that, that netting reduces the liquidity requirements. So netting over a period of X will, will enable those liquidity benefits to be seen. Now, currently, the netting is usually performed on a day or two day, typically two day basis. And, and that works quite well. But there are intraday markets, so the repo market. There are same-day markets in, in quite a lot of the currency corridors that we look at. So they they don't enjoy many netting um, benefits at all. However, there's probably some some room in between those two those two polar opposites. Or if you imagine that's that's the uh, two ends of the pole. At one end we've got two days. That's where we're net. And at the other end we've got instant settlement where we have zero netting. Now. Could could there be solutions that net every hour uh, or every one hour, 26 minutes and 13 seconds, because that's the most appropriate time to net? I, I'm, I, I can truly see a future whereby we net at the right time based upon the data that needs to be netted. So perhaps using AI or more more likely looking at, at seasonal and predictable liquidity management and forecasting systems that actually netting at X could maybe in the future not be the hard, rigid two days that we see it is today. There could be a more optimum time to net. And that's mainly driven by the growth in instant settlement and, and same day markets. So I can see a future where 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 X might not be the convenient two days that it is today. And and, and we've very much engineered our rails to accommodate that sort of settlement. So we will take in either either gross settlement instructions or netted. And netted could be netted by another platform at a period of X. So I, I can see that we'll slightly get um, or we'll start to see 
more sophistication as systems start to do more more of these types of liquidity reduction um, algorithms firing up, we will see them. Um, we will see that time reduce. I would imagine. Yeah, I suppose the the two days thing is not born of that being the appropriate amount of time. It's just that that's the what the system can actually do at a certain level, and then it, you, there is a sort of optimum trade. I suppose it's uh, you might have different requirements where you're trading off that counterparty risk uh, versus you know, the, the settlement risk versus yeah using if liquidity as efficiently as possible. Can completely agree with that. Yeah. What, so from RTGS Global's perspective, this PVP settlement, what, what's special or unique about, about uh, the RTGS Global way of doing things? Um, there's, a, there's a few things. Um, so f- first up, you touched on the 24-hour availability. Um, our, our platform's available 24 hours, and it doesn't need to be defunded at the end of settlement um, in its domestic currencies. So that, that enables our clients that once they've, they've, they've fueled, um, with liquidity their, their account with, within the RTGS global framework that they can transact 24 hours a day. So that, that, that opens up a, a whole raft of possibilities and new use cases for them. If we combine that then with the fact that every single pound, every cent on our network is backed by a real one in a central bank reserve account, that gives us that high quality liquid asset. And then the point we've just been talking about PVP as well. So we, we enable counterparty risk to go through the floor because everything's backed by real central bank money. We remove all of the friction because we do not have a, a coin. Um, we don't use DLT. We make it very rapid. Two green lights, the liquidity is available at both ends of a transaction. We will instantly and atomically settle that. So we're quite different. And I guess, I guess the, the, the last thing to, to, to wrap around such a new settlement system and a new way of working, we're also embracing the principles of financial market infrastructures. So RTGS Global will be held to the highest standard of settlement possible, making sure that we comply with all of the robust resilience, safety and soundness requirements that are within the, um, the PFMI. So with that, we'll, we'll be able to provide certainty 24 hours a day in the highest quality asset. And that, that will remove the need for banks to pre-fund nostros. It will remove perhaps the counterparty credit risk that they run today. And, and one would hope it would start to then improve pricing that banks will be able to get in the FX market because the rails can support it in a risk-free fashion. Excellent. Yeah, very exciting times. Um, you mentioned uh, your launch is coming up. Can you talk us through what what the next uh, the next twelve months looks like for you guys? Yeah, so we, we, between between uh, early engagement and letters of intent, we've got over a hundred banks now that we're talking to globally, um, all in a, a, a phase of, of of maturing their their assessment and the business case for joining us. We've got some banks that are due to start trialing in the coming weeks. So they they will actually be on our technology and putting their foreign ex, their wholesale foreign exchange um, value through us in in synthetic money, and then that will migrate and be promoted to a production environment. We're currently looking at fifteen currencies. Um, we're adding to that maybe two currencies a month. So our engagement with the central banks is is rapidly increasing as we're finding appetite from both our clients, but but also incoming um, incoming investigations and analysis from the central bank community themselves. So I can I can see the next twelve months 
we would have moved from that testing and trialing phase into a production-like environment. We will be running maybe two, three, four, five corridors at some point in the first half next year, we hope. And we will be looking to add to that. So we will be looking at the emerging market currencies. We'll be looking at, at really providing new banking services that, that haven't been seen before. And maybe one other unique point that we're, we're bringing to the market next year with, with all of this is um, what we internally call correspondent banking 2.0, which is we, we enable the banks to be able to um, communicate directly so they can they can perform their own KYC against each other. We provide all of that information and then they can transact with each other without the need of intermediaries. So it will enable people to discover new counterparts around the world and hopefully open up new business. We will be looking to to have all of that active next next year. Fantastic. Yeah. How exciting. Um, I, one of the things that occurred to me, actually, uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts on was that when looking at some of the solutions that you see cropping up in things like the BIS CPMI roadmap, particularly around the CBDC space, it strikes me that they're, you know, they're capable of producing some very efficient results in a particular corridor or a, a small group. But expanding these groups seems like it could take a lot of work. Uh it seems like, um, yeah, well, especially if it's bilateral corridors, you know, those are obviously, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of work to, to add in new ones of those. Can you talk about, I guess, compare and contrast the, the RTGS global approach of how you can add in additional uh, central banks and, and additional currencies to the to the network? Sure. I think like many, we, we can see a future where CBDCs will, will be embraced and, 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 Every country has got its its own opinion on whether that means retail, wholesale, or both. Um, so we, we've we've designed our solution to to ensure that we we play a role in that. We we can see between every jurisdiction on the planet having CBDCs between that 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 far away point and now here today where we have very few CBDCs that are live. There's hundreds of hybrid states in between the two from a global perspective. So we've we've designed our solution to play a role in enabling people to come in and out of CBDCs between CBDC and fiat um, cross border. So that that should enable people to transact in all of those hybrid states. And um, we we see that as the true definition of interoperability, uh, a word you hear bandied around quite a lot with many, many different meanings. But the actual ability to transact internationally whether you're in a CBDC or fiat or vice versa at the other end of the corridor, but to still get those settlement benefits of instant settlement in the highest quality asset at the central bank, we, we believe that we, we have a significant role to play there. And, and that will help, that will help with the adoption because we're, we're not going to go CBDC big bang globally. Um, we, we, we can all recognize that. So that, that will enable us to, to help the central banks mitigate risk and also schedule their own program without having to worry about where they fit internationally at that point. I think, I think if you add to that as well, um, another slight angle around the, the, the view about 24 hour banking for wholesale payment systems. So this is a discussion that, that's been a real hot topic for central banks for the last two years about whether whole value, wholesale value, sorry, about whether wholesale payment systems really need to be 24 hours a day in order to get that 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 global interconnectivity now 
we think with a solution like ours, it, it perhaps removes that necessity for all of the payment systems to be open. And if the payment systems are open, let's remember the participants need to be connected and open as well. So we actually think that a system like ours will remove the need for everyone in the financial system to work 24 hours a day. The fact that you can have your liquidity on our network 24 hours a day and still interact, even though the domestic systems may be asleep, we, we think that brings a significant benefit. So I think I think a system like ours, I, I obviously um, propose ours and, and support ours more avidly than any other. But I think I think these concepts will enable central banks to be able to move at their own pace and not necessarily have to do everything internationally at the same time in order for the benefits to the market to actually be realized. Yeah, I think that's really important. Just this idea of uh, something that can provide value without having achieved a critical mass of adoption in the first place. Um, yeah, really interesting uh, concept. I think we'll we'll leave it there. So thanks very much for, for joining me, Dave. It's been really interesting. A pleasure, Lewis. Nice to talk to you again. Great. Thanks very much, Dave. And thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it interesting. Do remember to subscribe. We're on Spotify. We're on Podbean. We're available on demand on, on the website. Go to the website for more information on upcoming meetings and reports and all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the OnCliff podcast.